Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Hyperion Hub, your meeting place for all things Disney. Now your hosts. Hello and welcome to the Hyperion Hub, your meeting place for all things Disney. I'm John Alois and joined once again by Sean Degenhart. Hi there. And John Redling Schaefer. Hello, gentlemen. Before we get started, I want to let you know. Wait, we when are... did we get gentlemen on the show? <laughs> I'm looking somewhere else. I'm not looking at you. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just want to check. I want to let you know we're on oh, social media. <laughs> Hello, gentlemen and John. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure our contracts hadn't changed. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Fair know. enough. Follow us on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. We're at Hub Hyperion. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us and subscribe on all the other podcast platforms except for on Apple Podcasts where now you can follow us. So they changed that <laughs> over the past week. Uh, yeah. So anyway, go ahead and subscribe and follow. And if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, rate and review us so more people can find the show. We like to start every show off with our Disney views, and for that, let's throw it over to Sean. Yes, this is the announcement I have personally been waiting for for the past year and four months, however long it's been. Happily ever after, fireworks are back. July 1st, Magic Kingdom and Epcot, happily ever after, Epcot forever, and at Disneyland Resort. Mickey's Mix Magic, uh, projection, lighting, lasers, fireworks. So we are getting back to normal. Fireworks are my absolute favorite thing at the parks. I'm willing to stand in my space for, you know, two hours um, just to get the perfect spot. So I'm really excited about that. Are you excited to stand in a spot with five to 6,000 other people in this time of, of year or pandemic wave? I don't know when we'll be able to go next, hopefully early next year, but hey, the fact that they're happening and I know they're happening, that's great. No, absolutely. I, I bring my bucket of ice water just because out of my own maybe level of paranoia with uh, even being in a store these days, I'm just kind of, you know, looking around, getting my bearings as whatever. I, I read an article about someone having cave syndrome, that you've been isolated and, and in a cave for so long that you have to take baby steps out there. And sounds like, uh, you know, you're right. Whenever you can get there, I'm not going to turn away from a fireworks show. It'll just be curious how long it takes well me personally or you sean to to wade in to wade into a, a big crowd again and if anybody from disney is listening uh main street electrical parade would be a great addition for the 50th anniversary celebration well I, john you you said you said tomorrow listens right isn't that true I, if he if josh tomorrow <laughs> is listening mr tomorrow we would love to have you on the show <laughs> <laughs> if you bring back the Main Street Electrical Parade. Yes, <laughs> only if. <laughs> we were in Walt Disney World when that announcement was made, and you know it would have been great for us to be there and, and witness it, but at the same time, I'm just excited that it, fireworks are coming back. And yes, the Magic Kingdom in particular needs a parade badly at night. So this week, I have a trip report for you. We are talking about our most recent visit to Walt Disney World in early June. As you heard last week, we reported from the parks. We'll go through uh, some of the 
uh, wonderful moments and a few misses here and there. But overall, we had such a great time, the four of us just being back at Walt Disney World. And uh, as you guys mentioned before we started recording, you could tell in our photos, we just had a blast. It looked like you had a great time. I love seeing your pictures, uh, seeing just the whole family there. It was great. Can't wait till we can get down there. So we drove up to Chicago, and what a great way to kick off the trip. We spent the night in Chicago in Rosemont, uh, right outside O'Hare, and we saw Cruella, which I highly recommend. It was a fun movie. You know, not a standard prequel uh, for 101 Dalmatians, but uh, pretty much a, a different type of character than what we see in that film. But still, I, I definitely recommend checking it out. What kind of uh, age limitations would you put on that, John? I mean, you obviously have teenagers. What about younger kids? You know, it is a little bit scary. Uh, it, it, it moves pretty fast. There are some, some scenes in there that you don't even see coming until they're happening. So my kids probably would have been fine at around seven or eight, but they've, they've never really been scared at those types of things, maybe because they weren't watching horror films like I was when I was a kid. <laughs> so, so Disney has always been relatively safe. There have been moments here and there. I remember the uh, mermaid scene in Pirates uh, freaked my son out when he was younger. And, you know, the, there are moments. But for this film, I would say probably 11 might be, you know, it depends. You know your child more than anyone else does and what they can handle. My Disney scare level is always uh, based on the Banshee from Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Terrifying. <laughs> still, to this day. I was going to say, I think we're still uncovering some things here. All right, let's get down to it. <laughs> Nothing from Disney ever freaked me out. The flying monkeys from The Wizard of Oz always did it for me. Yeah, yeah. Not too bad. But like I said, I was watching horror films when I was way too young. <laughs> My parents were boomers. They didn't care. <laughs> I, I still can't watch Thriller. <laughs> we watch wow. it every Halloween. So we got to stay at Animal Kingdom Lodge, Kadani Village, and we were upgraded for free to a Savannah room view. And it was spectacular. My wife mentioned in last week's show, you know, she's a giant animal lover. Um, just being able to wake up in the morning and see, uh, I think they're Ancoli cattle roaming around. There were giraffes. Um, there was a bird. I don't know the, the species, but it was just walking back and forth all day and all night in its own little path. And my daughter just kind of fell in love with this thing. Uh, it was the first thing she was asking about in the morning. Is the bird out there? <laughs> so we had a great time at the, at the, uh, with that Savannah view room, we had a full kitchen. So we would eat breakfast there in the morning. Um, I think we, yeah, the first night we even had dinner in the room. So took advantage of the amenities that we had there. And the, the resort is just beautiful. It's really relaxing music and uh, just the culture. Uh, everything about it is, um, is wonderful. I do, and I'll mention this later as well. We miss those international cast members that add the extra element of mm. realism. But uh, for the most part, I mean, just wonderful hotel. Well, let me ask this. We have discussed at the, in the past uh, various hotels getting overlays, maybe too much intellectual property in them. 
Would you say this was more, I've seen pictures, uh, would you say this is more tastefully done than other various properties? Absolutely. Beautiful tile artwork in the, in the bathroom of the savanna from the Lion King. There were carvings in the woodwork throughout the room. Uh, there was uh, Mufasa's face, you know, on the back of the chair. And you wouldn't really even notice it unless you're looking directly at it. So subtlety was key, and I was completely fine with it. Did uh, Tara name the bird Kevin? <laughs> she named him after our dog, uh, like Coco Dodo. That was what she called him. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm curious what species it is because clearly it's high anxiety if it's pacing the exact same path back and forth. Uh, I know the type. Let's put it that way. Yes. So just a general uh, overall of what we did. We hit Magic Kingdom twice, Hollywood Studios twice. Epcot, Animal Kingdom, and had a great meal at Disney Springs in the House of Blues. That second day after we arrived, we went to Magic Kingdom, and it was emotional. Walking down Main Street towards the castle, everybody was just calm. You know, there were nobody was running towards an attraction. It was very zen-like. Uh, there wasn't a lot of talking. All you could hear was the music playing on Main Street. And everyone had their phones out and they were either recording themselves or the castle as they walked towards it. And it was probably the most emotional moment of the trip. And, and, and you know, we weren't sobbing or anything, but uh, there weren't many dry eyes, I'm sure, on Main Street. It was, it's been a long year and we've all been through so much. And to be back somewhere that you're familiar with and, and that you love means a lot. Well, I, you know, in December, it just, and maybe I described that on our report, that the weight of so much almost being lifted as you come underneath the tunnel, and you're right, you just take it in. Again, it's, a, it's almost a fresh, renewed look at something you know. I mean, other than the fact that now it's pink. Um, but, I mean, even just the surroundings, the smells, the, the, the sounds, it really is. It, it was very calming. And you're right, it was, a, it was an interesting demeanor, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that even this much farther ahead, most everybody was reserved and, and just kind of absorbing versus just the screaming we're used to the last several trips before these. The train station on the front side of the park is being refurbished, so there was a scrim up. On the back side, the train is down right now, so it's being used for characters, uh, they all come out and they, they greet you from up there. So there was a lot of people waving and, and screaming at the characters and having fun with them. And then you turn around and everything kind of just calms down, like I said. So it was a, a really unique experience. Most people were still, you know, just keeping in mind on their social distancing and all that stuff. You never felt like people were argumentative about it. or I'll say... The physical distancing was pretty much non-existent at times. Um, okay. However, I thought the attitude, uh, generally speaking, from every cast member and every guest was far and above where what we've been reading about the last year. Uh, everybody was respectful and courteous and friendly and maybe some of that had to do with we the fact that we didn't have to wear masks outside, and there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of arguing. Uh, I didn't hear any arguing actually. As far as the physical distancing thing go, goes, though, no, that that didn't 
that wasn't really adhered to. I mean, not in the queues or really walking anywhere. Yeah, they'd even reduced the physical distancing levels, I think, just maybe before you guys went or down to three foot. Or So I know it's been slowly being receded. Yeah, but they haven't changed those marks on the floor, you know, on the ground. Uh, you know, sometimes people stayed back, but for the most part, they didn't. We were inside when most of that was taking place so you or in queues and up until the last day you had to have your mask on anyway so it didn't feel feel intrusive i think if people had been angry or upset it would have changed the mood uh but that never happened good yeah so that first day uh you know outside of meeting up with a former guest of the show uh, david burke and his wife meg uh, we didn't do anything out of the ordinary. One of the complaints that I'll have, uh, we experienced that day, and it was just the, the longer lines, uh, missing restaurants being open and fast passes and things like that. Yeah, let me ask this. I mean, the one, I suppose, hesitation our family has had in the past about pulling the trigger and staying at Animal Kingdom Lodge is the fact that Animal Kingdom is just so far away. Did you find the transportation you mentioned your first day was the Magic Kingdom, and then you had to go to Epcot. Give me your impressions about staying, well, quite frankly, the farthest away you can while still on property. The beauty of the resort outweighs the negative, which is you are far away. I mean, you just are. Uh, you have to deal with that. And I think all four of us went in with lower expectations from any trip we've ever taken before. So we were fine with the extra time, you know, on the shuttle and it was it was a good downtime it didn't bother us to be honest good very good and i, I love how you say that you know our our expectations were much lower too in december and it's okay to brace yourself for that and you know your family is so experienced they're gonna know that well we're staying the farthest away and you're right uh, coco the bird is is a nice uh, refresher every morning as we gear up to get onto the bus very good yep. so galaxy's edge on the second day yeah yeah mentioning the expectation setting level and we didn't know if we were going to get on rise of the resistance so we were fine if we weren't going to get on however we got up you know 6 30 we were ready right at 6 59 and my wife hit her clock on her phone to so that both of us would hit the update button for the virtual queue uh, or just swipe, you know, for the virtual queue right at 7 a.m. And she got in. And even though our expectations were low, we started celebrating. We woke the kids up. We all jumped around, danced around. I was blaring uh, Star Wars music in the room. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, I'm sure the neighbors really appreciated that. I'm sure they just said, oh, they got Rise of the Resistance and went back to sleep. But it was, uh, it was really a cool moment. Go ahead, John. If, if I had to make a comment about the queue itself, that appears to be the number one complaint on social media that I've seen. And everybody has their tips or their tricks, and everybody who tries it comes back later and says, well, that didn't help us at all. So, I mean, congratulations. This is a very rare uh, nugget for you to accomplish on the first day you even tried it. And I forgot they had changed how that works, because when we were there in January 2020, we were at the parks at 5 a.m. to get into the park by 
6.30, I think they let us in the, you know, past the gates. And then we were, at, you know, 6.59, had the phones out. So I forgot that you can do that remotely now. That's great. It is. Look, my opinion is it's unfortunate that this is the case for this attraction because a lot of people, this is what they're building their, their trip around. And that's why we wanted to keep those expectations down. And uh, we knew we were still going to get into Millennium Falcon, Smuggler's Run. We knew we were still going to be able to go to Galaxy's Edge. But it, it's just unfortunate. The next day, we did not get in at 7 a.m. Or the next time we were at Hollywood Studios, we did get in at the 1 p.m. Uh, virtual queue. And we, I think our, our attraction time was like 7.45. And the park closes at 8. So that we were one of the last ones to get on, you know. Um, so it's unfortunate that that's the case. I don't know how else Disney can do it right now, though. Those lines would be four hours long. Well, and, and now we hear rumors that we could be seeing virtual queues for some of the more f- popular other rides. I mean, if, if we're not going to see fast passes again for a while or some, um, you know, change in, in planning, I mean, is this the trend that we're going to see on all the new stuff? You know, the new Marvel ride and everything? It'll be interesting. I don't know. Um, so galaxy's edge, I looked at it differently on the two times that I got to go into there. Okay. So the first day was overwhelming. I walked in. I don't know the layout. I didn't study the maps. I don't know much about it. It's innovative. It's original. It's really cool. Uh, it looks like star Wars. Um, it's everything that a diehard nerd Star Wars fan wants as you're walking through the land. Okay. We got to the Millennium Falcon. It was so cool to see it in person. You know, as a, as a kid, this is what you dream about seeing these, these ships, you know, in, in person. And I love the reveal of the ship. When you come around the corner, it's just, Oh, there it is. Yeah, it was very cool. The black spires are amazing. The fact that you're on this this made-up planet of Batu, very original. The blue milk is far and away better than the green milk, just so you know. <laughs> the green milk tasted a lot like, uh, I don't know, fruit bar mixed with um, fruit snacks. I thought the blue milk, that blue raspberry kind of taste was really good. Well, and we know where the green milk comes from, from Last Jedi. So that could play into your perception of the drinks too. Uh, yeah. That weird bird just sitting there. Yeah. Okay. So that first day I loved it. And this is where I upset my son because I think he was expecting me to be overly emotional, you know, but here's why I wasn't. It's not the Star Wars that I grew up with. You know what I mean? Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker aren't walking around. Dagobah isn't there. You can't visit Hoth. You can't go to Coruscant. You know, it, it's not from the films. And it took me a little while to accept that. <laughs> but I was, I was impressed. I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Smuggler's Run is fun. Being on the Millennium Falcon and sitting in that seat where, you know, Chewie plays chess with C-3PO is, is nostalgic. And, and all of that's really cool. There are porgs all over the, the, the ship. Uh, their nests are in there. 
Um, I think that just the layout of, of the luggage in specifically in, in the queues to divide you the gear from the resistance and the first order and, and, and the way the ships are all lined up and, and seeing Ray and Chewie and Kylo Ren and all the stormtroopers. That was amazing. Now, with that said, the second day that I went in there, I was more enveloped in the story. You know, these are characters that are created for this land, Doc Ondar and um, some of the other characters and, and experiences are just solely for this land. And that's the thing that we're always complaining about, you know, that, that there's nothing original. Uh, Everything is based on an IP. Yes, it's based on an IP, but this is a place that only exists in Disney's Hollywood Studios and in Disneyland and in books. That hurts and it helps it. It hurts it because we're not familiar with it. And if you don't know everything there is to know about Star Wars, you might be kind of bored as you're walking around because you're not seeing those characters. But if you get to know those characters and study their backstories a little bit, you can become more engrossed. My son, I think he spent seven hours in there the second day, the second time we were there, utilizing the Play Disney app and going on missions throughout the entire uh, land. I think he went on, with the exception of Smuggler's Run and Rise of the Resistance, that day he only rode uh, Tower of Terror. I mean, he's 15 years old, and he only went on one attraction, and we were there from open to close, and he spent that much time interacting, right? So the story is rich if you really decide to engross yourself in it. Well, but I'll say this. I have no knowledge. I have very rudimentary knowledge back from the 70s and early 80s, and I will not deny the, I, I guess, the, the way that they envelop you into this. I mean, yes, people complain that you're walking from Toy Story Land into this area. And, well, what kind of transition should we have? It's incredible. I, I don't dispute that. I mean, the, the basic things I do know, you're right. Seeing the ship, looking at the details, the fact that in some parts it looks like just a bunch of hodgepodge metal and pipes, and things put together with different languages, it's incredible. It's, you would expect nothing less from them, but even for the novice, without all that backstory, without all of that, without playing all of the, the app and the missions and things like that, you can still appreciate it for, the, for lowercase m, the marvel that it is. Uh, I would recommend entering, at least the first time, through the cave, um, not at Toy Story Land, but over by Baseline Tap House. That should be the front of the, the, the land. And uh, that's where you kind of get sucked in. The music uh, is, is cool, but you're only hearing it in the front and the back part of the land. Um, and then when you finally do get to hear it uh, in Rise of the Resistance and you hear the Force theme in the Build Your Own Lightsaber in Savi's Workshop, uh, that's, those are goosebump moments. In fact, speaking of Rise of the Resistance... So while it's too young to be my absolute favorite attraction ever created, it is, in my opinion, the greatest attraction ever created. Story-wise, length-wise, the fact that you're on multiple moving vehicles, the way the cast members interact as characters, the animatronics, the use of screens, everything about it is perfect there's no track that you're seeing you're on a mission you get saved i mean it's i, I don't want to reveal too much about it but 
it's what Disney storytelling is supposed to be. Absolutely. And hearing John Williams' music, the, the main theme at the end, again, goosebumps. It's perfect. Well, and Williams wrote new themes for the land. He wrote specific park music, you know, with that Star Wars soundscape, you know, for Batu. But yeah, Rise of the Resistance is something else. The Build Your Lightsaber in Savi's workshop. It's the show that you want to see. Too bad it's so expensive to go in there because you have to purchase a lightsaber. But they describe the legacy of the lightsaber and the importance of it. And you, I don't want to reveal again. I don't want to reveal too much. But uh, it, it's um, there are some great surprises. Yeah, Claire and Eliza have been saving up to do Savvy's workshop. So they were upset when they heard it closed during the pandemic and then they were excited when it opened. And Jolie posted some pictures, I believe, and said just what the whole experience was so worth, so worth it. I more fully appreciated her post about the uh, transformation of 40-something John into five-year-old uh, John. That that I think that captured it very well with so few words. <laughs> Uh, we ate at uh, Ronto Roasters. We had the Ronto Wrap, delicious. Well, Denny, Denny Sunderly uh, recommended that for us. How many she months did, ago? yes, and that's yeah. why I ate there. We got to experience Oga's Cantina, which is a 45-minute experience, and uh, they do have some snacks in there, but you're not going to go in there to, to get filled up. Um, that's cool. The reason why I, I bring up the emotional element is because while I enjoy the Harry Potter movies, I've only seen them once. Walking into Diagon Alley was emotional. And it was, you're immediately in something very familiar and you're in the films. I didn't get that feeling, that same feeling, the first time I walked into Galaxy's Edge. However, I did more and more the longer I was in there. I walked around and, and shot pictures with my nice camera for about two hours and really got the lay of the land, uh, went through all the shops and everything and and loved it. So was Evan uh, translating the Arabesh that he would see the language? Then Clara would be doing that and she knows her alphabet and so she would be kind of exploring. What does this say? He was doing it through the app. Uh, he, he uh -huh. actually was, was going on missions for the first order, <laughs> but it was cool because he got Traitor. to, yeah, he got to, uh, intercept transmissions and things like that. He loved it. The other things we did, you know, we did the classics, um, the, uh, rock and roller coaster, and we did all of toy story land and tower of terror, Mickey and Minnie's runaway railway. Now I love the cartoons and I, and I, we thoroughly enjoyed the attraction. I don't know what's happening though. <laughs> There's just an explosion of colors and sounds and all these great characters, but it is fun and we had a great time. Okay, I'm glad you salvaged that because around here that is a new favorite, a big time favorite. You're right, it's insane. You're spinning, you're in different rooms, there's neon all over the place and I don't understand some of it to a degree, but also when we were there the cartoon itself wasn't running. The kind of the explain the uh, some of the explanatory uh, information at the beginning. We were just you know ushered in with all the the plexiglass partitions and things. It was just fun. I mean, it was just pure fun. I, I it is rare that the the oldest and the youngest laugh on the same ride, and that was the cool part for me. Yeah, we all had smiles on our faces. It's definitely fun. B 
because we were there so late at Galaxy's Edge uh, on that second night, we got to see it at night. So that was great. I completely fell in love with the land before we left. And next week, we'll finish up our trip report from Walt Disney World. Remember to please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Hub Hyperion. And follow us or subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. And please tell a friend. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week. We're glad you could join us. We'd love to hear from you. You can email or send us a recorded audio message at podcast at thehyperionhub.com. Find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Hyperion Hub is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or its subsidiaries. We'll meet you next time at the Hyperion Hub. Hyperion Hub.